With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled you can join us today. We are going to be talking about dementia care. Is it different over in Malaysia than where you live? Our guest today lives in Malaysia. She's going to share her story with us about caring for a loved one. Now, if you are new to Alzheimer Speaks, you might not know what all we do here. And why we do it, bottom line, my, my own mother had dementia for 30 years. And so that's what made me step into this. I wanted to bring people services, products, and tools and connect them uh, to others uh, that are going through the same thing, that have brilliant resources. And so, you know, maybe you could be our next guest. We interview people who are living with dementia, family members, um, a variety of businesses, researchers, advocates, children, authors, movie directors, you name it. We want to talk to you because that's how we make sustainable change by being inclusive of all. So if you're interested, reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. Now, before I introduce our guests, I'm going to do a couple of shout outs. One is please check out alzheimerspeaks.com. We've updated the site. It's very easy to maneuver. In fact, we have one full section dedicated to free educational resources. And there's a big variety there from Dimension the Arts and Dementia Chats and the radio show to Dementia Quick Tips, information on memory cafes, dementia-friendly communities, and then of course, Dementia Map. You can also access from there, or you can go directly to DementiaMap.com, which has been a dream of mine for almost 40 years. And that is a, a global resource directory that also has a calendar of events. We've got like 150 categories that you can search in a variety of different ways, wonderful blog articles, and so much more. And then um, again, back on Alzheimer'sSpeaks.com. I just released uh, with Scott Carlson, my keynote speech in book form, and it's a children's book called Betty the Bald Chicken. And I am just so thrilled with, with how that turned out, the feedback we've been getting. So please feel free to go to alzheimerspeaks.com forward slash book, and you can get information on how to order that if you'd like. We are going to hear from the Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner, and we will be right back. 
I love the footbar walker and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest, there are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. Okay, we are back and we are going to learn about dementia care over in Malaysia. And today I'm going to be talking with with Sharifa Terher. Like I said, she lives in Malaysia. She's a full-time care partner by choice since 2014. She is now using not only her personal experience, but she's been trained through Tifa Snow's Positive Approach to Care and she is uh, certified in that in order to support others as well. So she's a powerful dementia advocate. She focuses on empowerment, meaningful engagements with persons with the lived experience as a right. And she also is addressing dementia from a social disability model. So I really, really am interested in hearing about that. Well, Sharipa, I am so excited to have you on the show today. So thank you for being up late. I know it's past 10 o'clock your time over in Malaysia. Um, so I really appreciate, you know, these time differences and in, in working together on that. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on the show and learn about your model of care and, you know, how things are going over there because every, every country, every city, you know, is a little bit different. So thank you. Well, Laurie, thank you uh, for this opportunity. I feel really honored to be on your show. Um, and I'd love to thank you for the work that you do. It's just amazing. So thank you again. Oh, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my mom. So good things come out of bad things. And uh, it just depends on, on how you want to work with them. I always start out by asking if you have personally been touched by dementia in your own family and circle of friends, if you don't mind sharing. Sure. I think my, my first contact with dementia when I was do, doing undergraduate studies in California during the summer holidays, I worked for a lovely lady in, you know, older age um, in San Francisco, and I was hired to clean her apartment. Mm -hmm. But when I got there, she asked me to do things that I thought, well, you're not paying me for doing that. Just sitting with her, showing photos and the stories change all the time. And she would say peculiar things to me. And I thought, oh, that's kind of strange. Something is off here. Um, I did psychology for my undergraduate. Mm -hmm. So in one of the, the modules in, in the program, it touched on dementia. 
then the light bulb went off like, oh, okay, now I know. That's, you know, that explains the, the lady's behavior. So because of that, um, that level of awareness that I had, um, I was alert to the uncharacteristic changes in my mother. Mm-hmm. And this was in 2013, 2014. And my sister and I pushed for assessment and test. And she was diagnosed in 2014. And it was in the early stages when she was diagnosed, which, you know, was brilliant um, for, for that diagnosis. Not that <laughs> the diagnosis was brilliant, but the fact that it was an early diagnosis. Um, so, yeah, that, that connection personally with my mother. And, and that also that was the time when I made the voluntary decision to be her care partner. Um, And this relates back to the time when I was working in the US. In 2004, she and my sister and her family came to visit me in uh, Arlington, Virginia. And that was when the 2004 big tsunami happened. Okay, wow. A couple of, yeah, a couple of weeks later they left and I was left alone thinking, oh my gosh, you know, your loved ones can be taken away from you just like that. Yeah. And I thought, what am I doing so far away in the U.S.? I mean, I can work closer to home. Mm-hmm. So I relocated. I came back. And then um, I worked in the region. But when she, in, in 2014, when, yeah, it was around 2014 when she di- was diagnosed, I decided, you know, I'm going to quit my career in the United Nations, and I never thought I would do something like that, being a career-minded workaholic, Um, but I did. So it's been nine years, Lori, and it's counting. Over the years, my mother has become my best friend now. She's my very best friend, and it's it's such a beautiful feeling to have your mother as your best friend. Um, And... We're together 24-7, and I, for the most part, have this beautiful relationship with her, then, which I realize now that I needed that relationship. I need this relationship. So, yeah. Oh, that, that's neat. But now, prior to dementia, like growing up, were you and your mom close? Because sometimes people go, eh, no, we, we were like oil and water, you know, and Correct. Um, what, yeah. was, what was your relationship with your mom prior? I think, you know, it, again, I, I, I have a patchy relationship physically and also uh, emotionally with my mother. Patchy because I was born in Singapore and then lived with my family in Malaysia. And then at the age of six, I decided I was going to live with my grandparents in Singapore. Okay. So I went to school, elementary school in Singapore, and it was only in when I was 12, 13 that I returned to Malaysia, went to high school and resumed, you know, my relationship with my family. And that, you know, that brought back the, the missing my mother during the time when I was in Singapore. So I made it up during my time in, in Malaysia immediately after return. But then I went to the US to do my undergraduate. 
and you kind of you know get exposed to the world mm-hmm. and you have that feeling that wow you know I can take on the world I don't need uh, anybody because I'm this strong resilient <laughs> independent woman and that kind of have that clash because you know you sometimes you we go different paths mm-hmm. and you look back you thought you, you know maybe that relationship is not that important for me now mm-hmm. it's the relationship with friends relationship with your colleagues that was important but I always have a close relationship with my mother in the sense that wherever I was I was lucky to have a job that took me around the world mm-hmm. so I was stationed different parts but I would take the time to keep in touch during holidays, during the weekends, uh, whenever I get the chance, I will return back to Malaysia and spend time with my family, particularly with my mother. So the relationship was there. Mm-hmm. It heightened at different times. But when the tsunami happened, like I said, when I reflect on that, I thought, you know, I need this relationship. I need that that safety that you have with your mother. Mm -hmm. So with that came that relationship, but it was, it was this journey that really brought us closer together. Okay. That the trust is there. Yeah. I I totally understand and appreciate that. And and I like how you, you know, you said, well, it's patchy, you know, we we were close, we were apart. We were, there's so many different dynamics. And I think sometimes people don't look at all those pieces of their life, you know, um, with that. And I, I agree, you know, I got to that point, I think like you were this, and I was always really close with my mom and I, and I lived close to, uh, I was close with both my parents. Um, but the closeness that you develop as the disease progresses is, to me, it's almost like a spiritual level, a spiritual connection. Um, It's very, it's not your everyday relationship. I don't think it wasn't for me anyways. I, Lori, I absolutely agree because I, I think my relationship with my mother has been elevated into friendship, Mm -hmm. but even higher than that. And I think, you know, we all have our baggage. Mm-hmm. I had depression and I had breakdowns. Mm-hmm. And I think re- looking back, I realized, you know, I was confused uh, about what was my purpose. And through this journey and my relationship with my mother and through the, my faith that, you know, this is a, this is a divine obligation to care for your mother particularly, mm-hmm. and your, your father both, but particularly your mother. And so when you mentioned that spirituality link, I just thought, you know, that is absolutely the way I see it. Yeah, I, I term it as different levels of unconditional love that I didn't know existed before. And it was like, wow, you know, I, I thought I knew what that was like. And then it was like, oh, we're, we're at another level. And then it's like, whoa, we're at, we're at another level, you know, and one, one, of these days, one of these days I'm going to write about that because I think it, it, it surprised me. Um, I didn't know, I didn't know those levels existed, those ways of communicating. Um, and yet they're, 
the deeper we got, the, the easier and the simpler life was, even though the disease was more complicated in some ways. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, we, we tend to see the negative of dementia. I don't wish dementia on anybody. You know, if, if I had a choice, the answer is no, I don't want dementia with my mom or with anybody. But in the midst of dementia, we have to get on with it. And having those kind of awareness mm -hmm. that it doesn't have to be all that ugly. There are sparks, it, there are blessings, and we have to be alert to those to have that aha moment like, oh, wow, you know, there's a different level now. And this is happening and getting excited about those kinds of things. And I think that is what has made me survive this journey. Mm -hmm. And not only survive, I think I'm also thriving. Yeah. It was funny when you said that. I haven't thought of this movie in a long time. And I don't know if you ever saw it, the movie Cocoon, where it was about all, all the older people and they jump in the pool. And I was thinking yes. it's kind of like the movie Cocoon where you, you, life is different than what you thought it was, you know, and it, it's it, in a lot of ways. And, and I know there'll be some people out there wanting to just slap me up, upside the head going, no, Lori. Um, but it can be really freeing if you allow it to be in a lot of ways and, and cut through stresses and burdens because it makes you prioritize your life different. I absolutely agree. Just yeah. like with the tsunami. I mean, that was like just boom. I mean, that was a black and white moment for you, a trigger point of, you know, I'm changing my priorities here. Um, absolutely. I want to ask you with your mom, were, you know, you, you got her diagnosed in 2014. Can you share some of the symptoms she was having? Um, yeah, I think for me, it, and I, I remember this vividly. Um, I was visiting her and I remember lying down watching TV and she was talking on the phone to a friend and she was talking about a wedding. Mm -hmm. And she's always been very active and social butterfly. She's got events here and there that, you know, just listening to it tires me. Um, then he, he, she put down the phone and she asked me, did, did you hear that conversation? What was the date? So I told her the date. I, and then she sat there, just looked at me blank and she asked the question again. And I, and I responded and I didn't think much of it. Mm -hmm. and, and then it happened again. And she says, is that the wedding or is it this, the, uh, the other event? And I mm -hmm. thought, hmm. So, so that was one I thought that was a bit strange. The other, um, when her sister came to visit and we dropped her off at the bus station for her to take the bus and return to Singapore. And my aunt thanked me for money in her purse, 300 ringgit. And I said, no, I didn't put the money in there. She said, oh, you're just kidding. I said, no, I'm not kidding. I didn't put money in, I didn't give you any money gifts. And she looked at my mom and said, did you give me money? And I could see my mom's face just changed. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, she, I think she understood that perhaps it was her and she had no recollection of it. 
or maybe at that time she did, but I could see her face just changed. So that was another, I thought, oh, kind of strange. With my mother, her gait changed. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it then, but, you know, after having knowledge, more knowledge about dementia, I realized that was also one of the symptoms that her gait has changed. So, so, and then there were many others, um, you know, not, um, we went for a holiday and, and she banged her head. Mm-hmm. I think she tripped and banged on her head and it was happening more often. And I think that was the coordination also that was taking place. Um, so yeah, those were the things that I thought, mm, it's just something not right with her. So then, you know, going back to knowing some of the symptoms of dementia, that's when we thought, you know, we need to take her and get her assessed. Wow. And there was also the depression part. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And the depression I know throws people for a loop and it throws the doctors for a loop over here in the U.S. Most people will still say it takes them two to three years to get a diagnosis because the doctors go to the depression first, you know, they go to all, all the other things. Um, the other thing I just want to mention, because some, uh, you know, us in the field know what gait is, but a lot of other yeah. people don't know. And gait really is just how we, how we walk, how we carry ourselves. Absolutely. And Absolutely. it can get unbalanced. It can get stiff. I mean, there's lots of different things that, that can happen because um, every person with dementia is a little bit different. So thank you for sharing those things. I think it's important for people to hear um, from my different guests what they noticed because again, everybody's a little bit different and we all notice yeah. it differently. I loved when you said, you know, about the money, when you, when you saw in your mom's face, things had changed. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's actually one of the gifts that dementia teaches us is to pay more attention to um, that kind of multi-sensory interaction. It's not just about the words, um, but we're looking at the eyes and, you know, the mouth and the gestures and, that, you know, the drop of the mouth going, you know, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I take very good notes about the changes in my mother. Sometimes I think when we went to the doctor, the doctor kind of not happy with me because I give too many notes. Um, And what, what happens also, you know, I pass on the notes to them earlier because I don't think it's, giving my mom respect to talk about her mm-hmm. in her presence as if she's not there. I think, you know, we talk about dignity a lot, mm-hmm. but when we come to the question, what does dignity look like to you? Mm-hmm. We kind of stumble. For me, these are the kinds of things when we show dignity to the person. You don't talk to about the person in their presence as if they're not there. So that's why I take good notes, but also because I'm curious mm-hmm. about the changes. Well, and I think it's good. I don't know about your medical system, but in ours, it's like you got 15 minutes and you're in and out of there. And so if you get those notes to them ahead of time, I know a lot of times people will bring them in and then the doctor doesn't have time and the nurse doesn't have time. But I found here in the States, the way we're set up, find out who the doctor's nurse is befriend her and get those notes to her and nowadays we can do a lot of stuff online 
um, and, and let them have the time to review it. Or, or a lot of times the nurse will review it and she'll just kind of highlight it. So you can, you can make those comments. Like if you're having difficulty with driving, you can give them the background and say, but don't say we said it because we're the bad guy enough. You know, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. To preserve yes. this relationship. So thank you for bringing that up. I think that's a, a really, really key point. Now in your, you know, um, navigation of, of your journey, you know, as a, as a full-time care partner to your mom, what were the most challenging things that, that you've had to deal with so far? Oh my gosh, you know, that's, that's a really tough question because, you know, I, I, I sit down, I wonder, you know, what is really, really tough. For me, I think seeing that fear in her eyes, mm-hmm. it tells me, you know, deep down that there's something really not right and she's aware of it. Mm-hmm. And that's painful. You know, because some things can happen and, you know, this apathy and she seems like she's, you know, she's not aware of it. But when I see that fear in her eyes, I know she feels it. And then, you know, sort of the questions like, who am I? I don't even, my mom is still verbal. She can still communicate. So she will be able to say you know, I don't know what time it is and who am I? I'm just following you. Mm-hmm. And that's painful. So I think that's really challenging for me. And, it, you know, there are a million other things that are challenging, but the core of it is seeing that fear in her eyes. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I, for myself, and I don't know if you found this, but I found what was challenging for me was depending on what state of mind I was in or how much time I had too. Cause sometimes I could deal with the repeating of questions, but if I had a big yeah. list and I'm really multitasking or we're trying to get out the door, you know, sometimes I wasn't as gracious of a daughter as she deserved, you know, in those moments. Yeah. And man, it's hard not to beat yourself up, you know, at those times yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I completely agree with you, Laurie, and thank you for bringing that up, that up. Because I think sometimes people who are not in our shoes, they don't get it. And you get judged. Oh, yeah. And, and people don't understand that you know, this is an extremely challenging, difficult situation we're in. We are doing our very best. And we're human beings. Mm-hmm. And we make mistakes and we have our ups and downs. Give us a break. Yep. I, I'm going to just tell a, a, just a really beautiful story that, that happened to a um, friend of mine. She had gone to the grocery store and she was trying to check out and they wouldn't take her check, you know, went through like the little scanner thing and it kicked it back and she knew the check was good, but they weren't going to do anything. So she was really frustrated she's recently lost her husband and she's, you know, she's just grieving bad. And, and um, at times, you know, she'll, she'll get confused and she had to leave, you know, her groceries and then go to the bank to get money and then come back to pay for her groceries. And when she came back and I thought, Oh, why aren't there more people like this in the world? The woman that was behind her went and bought her a bouquet of flowers. 
and just oh. just to calm her down and just to say life will be okay and i'm like you know we need we need more compassion to realize what others are going through absolutely and and you know i love that story because i wrote an article on hope mm-hmm. in the midst of dementia and it was about the people strangers who have gone out of their way Mm-hmm. to be kind to me and my mother. And I just thought, you know, we're going to be okay because in spite of, despite all these challenges and life can be sometimes very difficult, there are people out there who in, 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 for me, it's not coincidence. There is a higher being that has put everything in place because God knows this is challenging. God knows this is difficult and God has put us in this position and God's going to give us the tools and people who are going to surround us. And those moments that you you think that, you know, I'm going to break down. I can't do this, particularly like, you know, the story of the woman. And I have had times when I'm outside and I just broke down and cried. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you come with, with people who see that and don't judge you and be kind to you, you think, I'm going to be okay. Yep. yep. It's all good. Well, you want to you wanna fit in. And I think sometimes with dementia, we all feel abnormal. Like we, like, you know, like we're a square, a square peg trying to get pushed into a round hole and you yeah. don't feel like you fit in and neither does a person with dementia and it doesn't have to be like that you know we can all be kinder and less judgmental if we choose to be but i think i think that doesn't happen unless people slow down in their life and really appreciate people on that human level you know we're we're all equals here and um yeah. we're all going through different things at different times now you had mentioned um, your article on hope, which I love because I'm all about, uh, you know, one of the things yeah. that got me into this was I was tired of the the fear mentality, or marketing through fear, and I wanted to market through hope. I wanted to yeah. ease the burden instead of add to it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So even like with with your title of of hope, how did people respond to that? To the article yeah. or to this by. To, to the article and, and uh, you know, talking about, about hope, you know. Yeah. That article um, got a lot of good reviews and particularly among friends who really appreciated it. Um, when you live with somebody with dementia, you slowly begin to have circle of friends and support system of people who have the same lived experiences you do. Mm-hmm. And they also appreciate that even more. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was glad I took the time to write that article and to honor those people who have touched me and who has shown dignity to my mom. So I, I wanted to give it back to, to the community. And that's, that's what prompted me to write. And I think, you know, people appreciated that despite me being a 24-7 care partner to my mother, it's been going on for nine years. 
the isolation, the lost opportunities and, and the, the stigma and all the ugly stuff related to dementia, I'm still hopeful. And I have to thank my mother for that because you know she, she shows symptoms of advanced stage dementia. Mm-hmm. But you know, she's different, but she's still, you know, she's the same person, but she's different. And I see that the the you know, having that zest for life, the person that she she was before, and she still shows some of that now and and wanting to be independent, wanting still wanting to do try things. Um, and I, to me, that's resilience and that's hope. If she is fighting, and I see that every single day, I thought, you know, I need some of those. I need to live with hope because my mother is showing me that. And, and to me, that's a huge blessing. That's a huge gift that dementia has given us. And you're right, Lori. You know, we need to look at dementia in a different way mm-hmm. to enjoy those kinds of moments, those kinds of perspectives. Yeah, because they do exist. And I mean, your mom was still leading by example in, in a different Absolutely. way. But again, if, if you're not open-minded to look for those things, to believe that she still has the personhood that can contribute to your life and you just kind of blow it off, you're going to miss all that. You know, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You, oh, go ahead. You know, I was I was gonna say, um, when when you have a diagnosis like this, right, in in, in the family, particularly your your mother, your 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 loved one, um, grief and devastation kicks in, right, mm-hmm. and then you get confused. I was confused for the first two years. I was dealing with grief. I had no idea what was going on basically you know all the 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 information that was given to me was all the negatives about dementia so basically I took over to the decisions for my mother and these are you know the two the regret that I have is two years of taking over her life and what changed for me Laurie was a time when we were in the doctor's office and it, you know, going to see a doctor for my mom and I would like um, uh, an outing, mm-hmm. make the most of it. And you know, for many people with dementia, when they see the doctor, they are this lively social butterfly, right? And so she was having this great relationship with the doctor until the topic of medication came up. She was livid. She just turned into somebody I didn't know. And she made it very, very clear. She didn't want to go on with dementia medication. That was the turning point for me because I looked at this woman. I thought, oh my gosh, what have I been missing? She is first and foremost a person. This person can make decisions for herself. This person happens to be my mother who happens to live with dementia. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first two years it was all about dementia. It was all about the losses. And I think that moment, 2016, 
that was also the same, the year I was introduced to Tipa Snow positive approach to care. And I watched her videos and I started practicing and I got into it and I practiced it on my mom. I thought, ooh, this makes a lot of sense. And the foundation of PAC is all about relationship. It's about seeing the perspective of the other person. And I think that's where the empathy comes in. It's about self-awareness. Like you said, Laurie, when, you know, your, the biggest challenge for you is your state of mind, right? And the same thing with, with PAC, where it looks at what the person can still do instead of the losses. And when, and instead of looking at, you know, the, the stages, uh, the deterioration scale, TIPA came up with the GEMS model, GEM state model, which looks at, you know, the person is precious, looks at what that really around for, for me. And you're right, when I'm about to, to manage my mom or to start a relationship with my mom, you know, just a quick example, taking a shower is challenging. If I'm not ready for it, I'm not going to even try and attempt to take her in the shower because I knew it's not going to end well. So I don't set my, the stage for failure. I just wait until I'm calm and ready to do something very, I know could be challenging. And then I see my mom's state of, you know, uh, in the moment. And then we go ahead and, Trans and translate that into individual responses in the moment. I yeah. think that was, has really, really helped me navigate this journey. Well, and you probably became more aware that your, um, your state of mind is going to affect her state of mind, where they mirror things back. You know, so if you're anxious, absolutely you're be anxious. And, and most of us don't know that we don't consciously think of that, but that goes way past dementia. That's with everybody. I mean, we've all been in where somebody walks in the room and we're all like, oh, and everything changes because one person <laughs> walked in the room, the whole team was yes. along. And then that one person came in or, or family situation or whatever it is. And so um, it really does, does have a big impact. How about meaningful moments? Are there one or two that just really stand out that just like melted your heart with your mom? Oh, yes. I was sitting with my mother on the balcony. We live in the 10th floor apartment building on the 10th floor. Um, she was kind of not so alert. She didn't know who I was then. So she was telling me about relationship between a mother and daughter. And she was going on and on and about it. I mean, she held that conversation for about 20, 30 minutes, talking about how a daughter has to relate to her mother. So, you know, I mean, I, I would prompt her with questions. There were many things that she told me that one thing that stood out in that conversation about daughter-mother relationship where she said, you need to treat your mother like your friend. And she's talking very slowly, very articulate. Mm -hmm. I waited 54 years of my life to hear that. 
that I will never forget. And all I wanted to do, Lori, was cry. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, you can't. Because, you know, I'm thinking about my mother, what she would think if, you know, yeah, I am crying. Um, but my heart just melted. And I just, you know, thank God for having that conversation with my mother. And so, yeah, that was, was a beautiful moment for me. Oh, that, that is very, very neat. If you just tuned in, we have been talking with Sharifa Tahir, and um, it's just been a fascinating conversation. She lives over in Malaysia, and she is caring for her mother full-time and has been doing so since 2014. And she, uh, she just has this really um, wonderful, wonderful attitude and insight. So if you're just popping in now, you're going to want to go back to the beginning and we're going to carry on and uh, learn more about um, her life, how she's been affected in her advocacy work. So if you decide you want to um, reach out to her, she, she will be having a new website coming out. I know that always takes longer than you think. It took me, oh gosh, forever to update my, my site, which will be called Uniquely Me Initiatives. But you can get a hold of her by her name at gmail.com. I want to talk about how do you think your care partner journey has, has um, affected you as a person? Wow. This has been a life-changing experience. One from devastation and mixed feelings to becoming a preschool care partner and the first Malaysian to be a Tifa Snow positive approach to care, uh, advanced consultant and trainer certified and becoming an advocate for persons living with dementia, for care partners and persons with disability. I think, you know, this journey has given me a sense of purpose. I was looking for it, as I mentioned earlier, um, and that sense of purpose started, I recognize it along this journey by serving my mother in the context of spirituality. Mm-hmm. And it has now overflow into serving others in the context of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, you know, we have been talking about this, um, Laurie, about self-awareness. What has happened is my self-awareness has really heightened by this journey. Um, Sometimes I feel like, you know, I've, I've gone outside of my body and seeing everything that's going on. I'm so alert about where I am, what I'm doing, how I'm feeling, how I'm affecting my mother and affecting others. It's a great feeling. At the same time, it also can be pretty scary because you're just so aware. Um, but at the same time, being able to compartmentalize those feelings and being able to process them. Mm-hmm. Um and through this, I have found me, you know, and I like the person that I've become. Yes, you know, that there are many changes I need to do every single day. There, there could be improvement in who the person I am. But, you know, I found who Sharifa is and I know my purpose and I'm able to, because of that, to, to 
identify and stick to my priorities and to say, no, you know, I, I don't want to do that because it doesn't fit into my priority and being able to say, I'm sorry, but the answer is no. And being able to, without guilt, setting boundaries. And I think that's really important. I had issues with setting boundaries before. I think that has happened. And I, one of the things I realized that this journey has, is difficult, but it doesn't have to be that difficult because of my cognitive reframing. Mm -hmm. People say to me, oh, Sharifa, it's so nice of you. You put your life on hold for your mother. I'm not putting my life on hold. This is my life. I've chosen this life. And I think if I put my life on hold, there's going to be a lot of resentment and anger. But, you know, this is a life. I chose this life. Um, I found purpose. I found me. So I think this is what the care partnering and living with somebody with dementia and having that intense relationship with my mother has made me the person I am today. I love when you said putting your life on hold creates that anger and angst. And there's, there's a lot of people out there dealing, you know, caring for somebody with dementia um, or another chronic illness that feel exactly that way. And you can hear it in their tone of voice. To me, I've never heard anybody say it that way. I love the way you phrased, you don't look at yourself as putting your life on hold because you know that that creates that sense of resentment and and anger that that builds up I I think it was beautiful that you said this is my choice this is my life this is where I want to be this gives me purpose and you know you you found yourself I I I can totally relate to that I I mean I had a a great career um, selling residential real estate and I never thought that I would leave it and I, I, you know, I chose to just kind of turn the switch and jump into here. And after two weeks, people are like, well, don't you miss it? Don't you miss it? I I said, it's like, I was never there. I I miss, I miss my, my friends. I miss the people, but I don't miss my life in real estate. And I adored my job. I mean, I absolutely loved my job, but this is like a whole, it's like a next level thing. And that I, that happened in less than two weeks. It was amazing to me. Yeah. I I could so relate to that too, because, you know, I think partly that is part, you know, our human resilience, Mm -hmm. we adapt and we get on with life. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.